Hi, I'm Lawrence Carroll. Welcome to Two Question Tuesday. I'm the author of ETS of the Long Run, Dividend Stocks for Dummies, and a contributor to Forbes.com and Barron's. Each week on Two Question Tuesday, we randomly pick and answer two questions from clients of focused wealth management. This week's questions will be answered by Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focused Wealth, and Michael Passante, the firm's Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Larry. Man, Florida looks nice. Better than, better than the Upper East Side, huh? Yes, much nicer. Um, okay, you ready? Here's the first question. Last week, the Consumer Price Index data for January showed that prices climbed 7.5% over the past year, more than the economists forecast. Investors and economists now expect the Fed to raise interest rates by half a percentage point in March instead of a standard quarter point move and raise interest rates a total of six times this year. This pushed the yield on the 10-year U.S. Treasury bond above 2%. What moves, if any, should I do to prepare for these rate hikes? Good question. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, look at our, our last week's Two Question Tuesday uh, when we showed that chart that we had to edit, right, to, to make sure clients understood that this is not a good environment for stocks nor bonds, right, because of the inflation readings. And that was when they were above 6% on a rolling 12-month, usually have negative returns of stocks and bonds, both down 4 to 5%. Now, you're at a 7.5% CPI reading, uh, even higher. Last week, we also talked about the yield curve and the spread between the two-year treasury, short end, and the 10-year treasury. And last week was about 62 basis points. Uh, you know, we're coming into this week at right around uh, 45, something like that. So that continues to narrow. If that does invert, typically it's called a recession within, you know, a 12 to 18-month period. Of to definitely look out for. So what we urged our clients to do in the past, and for many years we were expecting rates to really take off, right? But they haven't, was to lock in debt. Uh, so certainly one of the things you want to make sure is that there's any any variable rate debt out there you lock in. I can't see too many people right now who have not done that uh, in this world. Actually, if you looked at mortgages for last uh, last mortgage report that was out, uh, you saw you know quite a lot uh, of people locking in uh, and thinking that this was probably like around the last time. So you'd obviously want to lock in any fixed rate debt, uh, any variable uh, debts to fixed rates. Um, what do we think from here? Well, uh, you know, you're at two percent on the ten-year Treasury. Uh, you're right there. You went a little bit above it. Um, you know, the Fed. I've never seen jawboning like this. Uh, Bullard was out uh, last week talking about. Uh, you know, the, the rate hikes, and then the Fed is out, was out on Friday, uh, really uh, tell, saying that Bullard was not correct. Uh, so there's a lot of jawboning around this issue uh, today in the, in the Eurozone. Uh, they're also talking about making sure that policies remain accommodative and that they don't tighten too quickly uh, for fear of, of stemming off, you know, the, the global recovery. Um, what do we think? We think exactly what we told you last week. And at the beginning of the year, it's a sea change going on. It's going to be tough. Can't see the 10-year going much above 2.5%. Uh, but, you know, you, you got the Barclays aggregate bond index down close to 3% on the year right now. You would think that, again, in a diversified portfolio, uh, you're putting some monies to work in bonds around here or a little bit higher on another bad day is going to make sense for the long term. That's really what I think. Uh, you have inflation back off. Now, the other thing you want to look at is, is TIPS, Treasury Inflated Protected Securities. Not done that, that well lately. Um, 
should have exposure in bond portfolios for those. But I'm starting to see value uh, in uh, in fixed income land. And I think that if you, again, uh, take a little bit of a long-term approach, uh, you can get some good buys out there right now that you didn't have uh, six, 12, and 18 months ago. So time to think about dipping in the water with that. Michael, what say you? Yeah. I mean, last year we were communicating quite a bit that the Fed was behind the curve. So it almost seems like they're going to make two consecutive back-to-back policy errors because they really said that inflation wasn't a thing last year when it obviously was going to be. I mean, on a year-over-year basis, you have used car prices up 40.5%. And by the way, out of that 7.5% increase, one full percent of the CPI rise in a 12-month period is because of used car increases. That, that That's crazy. Yeah. Gasoline prices are up 40. Utility prices are up 24. Meat, 12.2. Cars, 12.2. I mean, the, the Fed has been so... They're, they're going to make two policy errors back-to-back by not raising interest rates last year and acknowledging inflation was a thing. And now they're so far late to the game that it's gotten up to 7.5%. And as Phil mentioned before, the current yield curve is 45 basis points, the one-year forward futures rate has already inverted. And just because of Bullard's comments on Thursday saying that they wanted to increase rate, he thought that they should increase rates one full percentage point by June or July. Um, he basically made the, uh, the the expectation for rate hikes at five and a half, like five, five and a half. It's almost seven now. Yeah. The Fed is going to invert the yield curve to a point that they cause a U.S. recession. So it's a little bit back and forth. Do we contend with a little bit high inflation right now until COVID recedes away? You get some supply chain issues rectified and some of these like used car prices go back down to zero when suddenly inflation goes down to six, six and a half percent. Right. So you need more chips to come online. You can see that that original transitory thought that we disagreed with, you know, is is here for, you know, I mean, Transitory to me is like three to six months. Yeah. Uh, this is more like a year or two uh, of these prices, I think. It's going to take quite some time. Yeah, I totally agree. So you're in a situation, but I totally agree with what you said before, Phil. Bonds, bonds and bond proxies in this environment going longer duration, if we do go into an economic slowdown and inflation starts to recede, the long end of the yield curve is going to come back down. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, if the Fed's too hawkish and raises too far on the short term, that inverts the yield curve more, increases the probability of a recession. So it's gotten to the point where we were in a place where the Fed's combating inflation. Now you legitimately have to worry about what could happen if they invert the yield curve with a recession sometime in the next 12 to 18 months. So the Fed is causing a lot of these mistakes, unfortunately. What kind of bond bond, I mean, what kind of bonds do you think is a good time or what kind of bonds would be good to start looking at buying? I got to tell you, so when you look at um, very short term uh, fixed, you know, uh, ET, ETFs for the short term, uh, there's a few products out there that, that we use, um, you know, very short 30 day papers. Uh, if you need a little bit of yield with liquidity, they look good. Um, the national municipal space, God, got destroyed um, when rates have risen. And you're looking at, you know, the, the municipalities uh, certainly well capitalized and sitting on a lot of money. Um, so, uh, you know, those would be taxable. And then if you look at some, you know, I'm, I'm a New York person, but if you look at some tax free New York munis, uh, again, funds, the bonds are just not not good. But some of the funds 
uh, that have been a little bit longer, they can make some sense too. So, you know, if you're in it for income and, and you know, you have a little bit of portfolio, again, these are a little bit risky with rates rising. Uh, so you certainly have to be cognizant of that. But I'd even look at the ag. I mean, you know, if you, you go up another 25 beeps and you're looking at a two, two and a quarter, I don't think it's two and a half, but two, four, five, Barclays aggregate bond index, um, you know, down three, three and a quarter on the year, you can make some capital appreciation, I think. The one area I'd definitely avoid, though, is high yield, corporate high yield. Oh, yeah. No. With with totally rates agree. rising and yep. a U.S. economy slowing, those spreads are going to separate. So yeah. to, to a degree, to, to the other side of your question, Larry, where do you want to go? Where don't you want to go is high yield? Yeah. Belt and suspender stuff. Yeah. yeah. would make the most sense to dip your feet in, not not execute full positions. Yes. Um, do you think that um, the interest rates will further affect tech stocks? Tech has really started to struggle up these rise in interest rates lately. Um, you haven't seen the weakness in technology that you saw throughout the month, early January yeah. in these rising rates. And I think part of it is because you're in the earnings reporting period and some companies have reported some really solid numbers and it doesn't appear that their growth rates are really all that are deteriorating all that much. And so there's a phenomenon that happens in markets at times when you see the U.S. economy slow, more cyclical areas that are exposed to the U.S. economy, their rates of growth could potentially tail off if U.S. growth slows and you don't have as much of a tailwind, right? But organic secular growers, which can be technology, if they can maintain their rates of growth, you could see some reallocation out of the cyclical yeah. economic exposure sectors into areas that still have some organic growth and continue to grow in the face of a slowdown. So that could happen. I never bought that you should sell tech because the duration trade was called, you know, uh, higher rates would cause these companies to truncate their growth. Uh, I, I don't know. I think if you look, a lot of them are so cash rich, especially big tech. There's some value there. They can outgrow, you know, there is the issues of rising rates here. So I don't know. I think when you look at the when you look at the growth that they're providing uh, and the technology they're providing, I don't buy that a two and a half percent 10 year treasury is going to choke off the growth of some of these great large cap tech companies. Again, not company specific companies can have individual problems, but as a whole category as a whole, I don't see it. Yeah, I totally agree. They make sense. Tech makes sense. And the way that the market's been acting lately, like, look, if you have economic weakness, tech could come down with the major averages a little bit. Yeah, of course. But at the same time, it doesn't Just look like rising rates, acting the same mind. way to interest rate rises as it was in, in December and January. Yeah. Okay. Here's question number two. <clears throat> with, gas, That's it. with gas prices rising, more people are purchasing electric vehicles. The U.S. Energy Information Administration last week said that in the fourth quarter, electric vehicles and hybrids accounted for 11% of light-duty vehicle sales. However, I don't want to pick which car company will be a winner. I want to invest in the companies that are making the batteries. Are there any companies you suggest that I take a look at? So, yeah, I think this is the best way to play the EV space because everybody wants to basically gravitate toward all the growth that's going to be out there within the framework of these car companies. But... Really, if you actually look at what's happening beneath the surface, what do all these car companies have in common? Lithium batteries. So at the end of the day, lithium is probably in the early stages of what you would refer to as a supercycle, actually. So if you look at some of the materials companies, 
that actually produce the lithium, that's where the demand is. There's car companies out there that recently came public that still have zero revenues. And over the course of the next few years, they're projecting that they're going to have a lot. But these projections mean what? Their numbers on a piece of paper, right? So ultimately, at the end of the day, there's a few companies. And again, we're talking about individual stocks right now. So not a solicitation to buy or sell. Um, Albemarle, ticker ALB, is a very interesting company in the material space that is very um, they're very active in the in the production of lithium. It's a large cap company. Um, you have a, a European company that we've actually talked about a little bit, BASF. They actually have a um, uh, an arm that actually produces lithium batteries and uh, LTHM uh, lithia. So th- there's there's a lot of different areas to play this demand, and you know you're going to have these different periods of economic and market weakness, but over the course of time as the government has basically said they want to get to zero emissions and mostly electronic by 20 or 2025 2030 um there's going to be just a greater demand by the car companies for a lot of these batteries so the battery and lithium space is the second derivative way to play this because that's really where the underlying demand is my concern I'm, lies in the solar uh names that were out there earlier you know when you had to push towards solar and because of the large government spends and tax credits and whatnot in that area a lot of poorly run companies, you know, got first to market, uh, and uh, the stocks didn't perform that well. So, you know, while there are some individual winners out there that will be, don't forget at the end of the day, these are your commoditizing prices, right? And you know what happened when you know Dell Computer and Apple and everybody got into you know price wars with uh, desktops mm-hmm. and and what happened with their profit margins. So, you know, it's still startup phase, and I would be cautious with that. Yeah. Again, single stocks do not go all in on any recommendation. Average your way in, manage your risk, make sure it's sized appropriately. Okay. Thank you, guys. And if you'd like to submit a question, send it to our new email address at question at twoquestiontuesday.com, and we'll be back next week. Great. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.